guys, my name is Corinne Coulter, and I'm your host for the Education for Tomorrow Alliance, What I Wish I Knew, a podcast about the emerging leaders and the steps they are taking to reach the careers they have envisioned for themselves. We are excited to invite you on this journey as we speak with young professionals from Montgomery County and beyond about their careers, the steps and advice that, that have helped them along their way, and the dreams they have for the future. So sit back, get comfy, and don't forget to take notes so you too can dream big dreams. Today I had the pleasure of sitting down with Dr. Emily Sanders. Dr. Sanders was born and raised in Conroe, Texas, and graduated from Conroe High School, and then went on to attend Rice University, where she graduated with majors in biochemistry, evolutionary biology, and sociology. She then went on to complete medical school at Texas A&M College of Medicine and is now finishing up her final year of residency in internal medicine at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill. She will be going on to complete further medical training in the field of pulmonology and critical care medicine. In this episode, we talk about um, the importance of not limiting yourself to one career or education box. Um, She also talks about what it's like to go through medical school and the long road that comes with that, as well as um, the happy and joyful moments of, um, she she tells a story about um, the first time when she had a patient introduce her as their doctor to their family. Um, This was such a fun and inspiring interview and I think will be extremely beneficial for you listeners out there that um, have a dream of pursuing medical um, as a career and also just kind of have the underlying wondering of what medical school is like. So I hope you guys enjoy. Don't forget to follow or subscribe to the What I Wish I Knew podcast. Share this with your friends um, and we hope that you guys enjoy this episode. Good morning, Emily. How are you? Hey, doing well. Thanks for having me. Of course. I am excited to reconnect. Um, Emily is another um, one of our podcast guests who um, is a Connor High School graduate, and um, I myself graduated from there, and so um, we share that commonality and um, grew up doing some of the same things. So um, I look forward to speaking with you today. Um, give us a little bit of insight into who, who Emily is. What yeah. us a little bit about you. So I grew up in Conroe, born and raised, was there my whole life, went to Conroe High School, um, graduated in 2010, and then uh, from there thought I wanted to stay close to home, ended up going to Rice University for college. Um, had a lot of uh, amazing times at Rice, majored in a few different things while I was there. Um, and then ultimately decided, as I knew from a pretty young age, to apply for medical school. Um, ended up at Texas A&M for medical school. Had a fabulous four years there. And now I am in my last year of my internal medicine residency program in North Carolina at the University of North Carolina. All right. So a couple questions from that. We do have a lot of listeners that are part of our EFTA programs that RICE is a goal for them and it's where they envision themselves going um, after high school. Kind of, can you give us a little bit of insight into what that process was in applying and kind of, I know it probably looks different now with everything going on, but an insight into what that process was for you. Yeah, for sure. So um, I was 
luckily preceded in my rice endeavors by my brother. So he went to rice four years before me and graduated actually the same year that I started. So we were only a few months staggered there. And um, so I, I knew during high school that uh, rice was where I wanted to go and that that was um, a pretty lofty goal. Um, it seemed like maybe even an unachievable goal when I was in high school. Um, you know, I knew that there were a lot of really smart kids, especially from the area that uh, wanted to go there. And it always felt to me a little bit like, you know, how would they ever pick me over all of these other you know, really smart kids around me. And I just tried to use my high school time to, um, you know, really make myself a well-rounded applicant. So, you know, yes, focused a lot on school and tried to make the best grades that I could and worked really hard towards that, but also trying to make sure that I maintained interests outside of, of just school, not only to keep myself sane a little bit, but also because it, uh, it just makes you a more well-rounded applicant. So since I knew straight from the get-go that I wanted to go to Rice and knew that that would be my number one choice from an early time, I actually decided to apply early decision. Um, so I would encourage, you know, folks that that are fairly certain um, that Rice is their number one choice, or if there's another, um, you know, high achieving university that has that option of early decision and you feel committed to that going in. I think it really sets um, applicants apart as being very, very serious applicants. Um, and you get the happy advantage of knowing a little bit earlier too. So I found out in December um, that I had been accepted for early decision to Rice and it made the spring a lot less right. stressful. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Um, thank you for that. What, I mean, we, again, we have a lot of listeners and it's one of the reasons why I invited you to join me today is because we do have a lot of listeners that medicine is the direction that they want to go. It's where they see themselves. It's where they do their, they intern at the Memorial Hermann Hospital. They volunteer. Um, they might have a family member that is, that is doing something along in the healthcare line. And so it's where they envision themselves, but it also is. A big and there's a lot of different options that you can choose. What do you feel like you were being called to when you said, I'm going through rice, I know that I want to apply for medical school and, and now you're in the, you've continued the process. So um, I knew from a pretty early age also that I wanted to go into medicine. So my dad is a physician and uh, that was really helpful to have that insight um, and experience because I got to see growing up how many lives he was able to impact and um, we would go out to dinner and we would see his patients and they would just be so thankful that he was able to help them through you know whatever um, they were seeing him for and um, he always had such great relationships with his patients and I could see really clearly from early on that he really impacted people's lives and helped a lot of people and that's um, I think the very first thing that interested me in medicine is that you know I could see that he you know was in a community and really made that community a better place by helping people and that's what I uh, hope to achieve every day that I go to work and hope to impact, you know, my community in the future when I finally settle in a place and I think medicine has um, a unique aspect that you know you're having a very active role in people's lives. Now there are a lot of careers where you're helping people from a few steps back, um, but in medicine you're really you know right there on the front lines, talking to people, interacting with people. Um, depending on what specialty you go into, which there are so many, it's such a diverse field, which is another reason that I was interested in medicine because there are so many different ways you can take that career. 
but you can work with your hands or not if you don't want to you know you can be one-on-one -on -one with patients or not if you you know get to the point where you don't want to and there's so many opportunities along the way to um, kind of mold yourself into a very different kind of career while still um, in the career field of medicine and ultimately you're always still helping people so that's what drew me in the most yeah and you are if i get this correctly you're finishing up your residency and how long has that been? So this, I'm in a three-year residency program. Yep, so every, the, the shortest is three years. There are a few different fields. And then the longest is, ooh, without subspecializing sub is seven years. So I picked one of the shorter ones, but um, still have a few years ahead of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome, all right. And so did you, you mentioned your dad being a physician. Did you have anybody kind of along the way that served him or maybe someone else in addition that served kind of as a mentor or helped you prepare to enter into, because that can also be a mind game. That long journey can also be mental in sticking with it. Um, did you have internships or things, people that helped you um, prepare? Yeah, so my dad obviously played a really big role in that and it was really easy to always hear the the not sugar-coated version of what medicine can be from him. One, because I was seeing it every day, but two, you know, he definitely wanted me to, to choose the field for the right reasons and not um, not choosing it without understanding the challenges that it does bring. Yeah. I had a few other folks that, um, you know, he wanted, my dad always wanted to make sure that I had a pretty well-rounded uh, group of opinions and experiences in medicine. So um, I had the opportunity a few summers to um, intern in different doctor's offices. First, with just my PCP when I was a uh, primary care provider. Sorry, I'm bad with acronyms. Um, when I was a kid, uh, Mary Beth Moore, who's in Conroe. So I had the opportunity to go to her office and see what more primary care looked like. Um, I had the opportunity to go with different orthopedic surgeons in the Woodlands area, which is what I initially thought that I was interested in after having um, a pretty robust athletic career growing up. Um, I was able to see different kinds of general surgery in the operating room. And, um, you know, ultimately, I think those experiences are a little bit more difficult these days um, to uh, just to kind of spread into an operating room and be able to, to watch. But, um, you know, there are a lot of opportunities for shadowing and mentoring in various offices that can, can that can grow into more, you know, procedural or operational, um, more shadowing type experiences if, you know, you form those good relationships with folks. And the nice thing about medicine is that, especially in a, a relatively small area, you know, like Conroe the Woodlands and even branching into Houston and into the medical center, um, everyone knows everyone mm -hmm. or at least know a lot of folks so you know even if you start with kind of that accessible point of you know my primary care provider or my pediatrician or that family friend down the street who's doing something that i don't think i'm interested in but they if you form that good relationship from the get-go they will know people if you think hey I, I think i'm interested in this other specialty can you talk to your friend who's in the office down the road and ask if i can come and shadow them for a little while and it can be a good networking experience and that way you can see different different parts of medicine too because there are a lot of variety yeah i love that and it's also kind of taking the step and taking the initiative and maybe it's having to step out of your comfort zone but it that 
that networking and those relationships that you build with people, we, we talk about all the time in our programs is that a lot of times, like I got this job because of relationship, every, I think every job I've had is all based on the relationships and the people that I knew. Um, so I thank you for speaking to that and um, bringing that up. I think that's a great point for our listeners to hear. All right, we're going to take a short break. For the fall of 2020, Education for Tomorrow Alliance is excited to launch our Distinguished Speaker Series Leaders. These events will be held twice a month starting in September, and they are for local high school students to um, join in and listen from uh, distinguished professionals from various industries and careers. Um, this is an opportunity for students to learn about um, where professionals have come from, where they're headed, and what they've learned along their journey. These sessions will take place on the first and third Thursday of every month starting September 17th via Zoom from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. Registration is required to attend, so please visit www.efta-us.org to register. All right, welcome back. We are um, we are speaking with Emily today. She is um, a Conroe High School graduate, a Rice graduate. I guess we can call ourselves alumni, Conroe Rice A&M alumni. And she is currently at the University of North Carolina in her residency, um, finishing up her residency program. So we've kind of learned a little bit about you, Emily. We've learned about the people along the way that have helped you and take the steps and make sure that this is the right direction that you in, in your career that you want to go because you have mentioned that it is kind of a long process and a long road. What in your time of education and learning within your residency has been um, your proudest moment or your greatest accomplishment? Yeah. I think if you would have asked me the same question maybe five or six years ago, um, you know, simply getting into medical school might have been my <laughs> proudest accomplishment. Um, you know, it's a hard, a hard process and a very stressful process, you know, focusing on making good grades in college and finally making that, you know, leap of actually applying and um, especially anyone who is applying for medical school has been a fairly high achieving person thus far and it can be um, for a lot of folks that first roadblock of, um, you know, I don't know if I'm good enough to do this. And so when I finally did get accept accepted into medical school after applying that first year, um, that was a huge accomplishment. And then it's tough because you, you know, just spent four years studying really hard in college. And then, you know, you've made this decision that you want to take care of people and you want to, you know, work with patients and really impact their lives and then you enter into more years of school where you're not seeing patients because you have to learn the stuff before you can apply it to them. Um, so I think that even beyond just getting into medical school, probably at this point in my career, my proudest accomplishment was, you know, that first day of residency when I walked into a patient's room and got to introduce myself as Dr. Sanders and um, later in the day they turned to their family member when I walked back in to give them some updates and um, you know they introduced me as to their family members as you know this is my doctor yeah. um, and that is just a mind-blowing experience because you realize that you know they aren't seeing you as you know this is a day one doctor that doesn't know anything they're seeing you as their doctor and they put so much trust and respect in in you and so much faith in you um, which can be very overwhelming it still is some days even a few years into this 
Um, but you know, it's really kind of the culmination of all of those years of, of learning and finally getting my patient and getting to, you know, te- you know, show them everything that I've learned and make them proud by being the best doctor that I can be. Yeah. I kind of got some like excitement chills whenever you said this is my doctor. I mean, it's I, exciting. No, because that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of hard work that you like that you that all of you put in and the amount of studying and this. I mean, Rice and AM, those are great schools and they're, yeah, I, that's just, I got excited for you and I. Yeah. And that excitement hasn't gone away almost three years into this, you know, when, when, especially the patients that I see in my clinic that are truly like my patients for years, not just the patients that I see sort of fleetingly in the hospital. Um, you know, they'll call me on the phone and they'll say, Hey doc. And you know, it's not just, you know, the, the very open meaning to that. Like it's like my doc and so cool. It it never, it hasn't faded. The excitement hasn't faded yet. Well, that's good because I feel like once it fades, it's kind of like, what am I really supposed to be doing this? And I don't know. I know that we've talked about kind of passions and things in some of our other podcasts. And um, it's when it's not, you don't get excited every morning to wake up and you don't have that like moment when you are doing that presentation or you're seeing that patient, it's kind of a like, all right, is this, is this where I'm supposed to be? And so um, no, that, that is exciting. So what has been, I'm sure that there's been a couple of these, what has been kind of the greatest challenge? Yeah, there, there have been many challenges. I think that the one that, um, most folks going through this process would allude to is, uh, what we call in the medical field, uh, delayed gratification. So, you know, you decide most folks in high school, some in college, it's not too late if you decide later, even some after, you know, short career doing something else. But you decide you want to go into medicine and you want to see people and then you get thrown into years and years and years of book studying and taking exams and things that are, you know, not what you were called to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, four years of college, four years of medical school, many, many years of training, which I'm still in, even though I am having the opportunities to work with patients and um, kind of apply my knowledge, it's still training and you're still learning. And that's like really, honestly, the most exciting part about medicine is that you are constantly learning, but it can be tricky because so like for myself, I am ultimately interested in doing pulmonology and critical care medicine. So, um, you know, lungs and ICU, like very sick patients. And even for the last three years, while I've had so much joy waking up and going and being able to be someone's doctor, it's still not entirely in the field that I have felt called to. So at this point in time, you know, four years of undergrad, four years of medical school, and three years of internal medicine, that's, you know, a lot of years where I'm still not getting to do what I want to do. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's a very long process. It takes a lot of patience Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, a lot of forward thinking, and it can be hard when a lot of your friends are, um, you know, getting married a little bit earlier, which shouldn't be a barrier. And I can talk about that in a moment too, as a different challenge, um, or, you know, having kids a little bit sooner because they're in a less transient, you know, part of their life or they, you know, they graduate from college and get to jump straight into day one, what they wanted to do. Um, and, you know, financial considerations are a lot of, a lot of, um, 
sources of contention in the medical field too, because, you know, we're as trainees and in medical school, you know, you're paying to learn where a lot of your friends will graduate from college and start getting paid. And that is another really stressful thing for a lot of folks. And so it's a lot of thinking of, you know, 10 years from now, I'm going to be so happy. And that's okay for a few years, but it does, it's very challenging. There are a lot of days where it's hard to maintain a good attitude. And, um, you know, I think that Another thing that medicine has a fairly unique challenge is um, work-life balance. And you, know, you spend so much time studying and so much time in the hospital during residency and even as you know, a seasoned career uh, physician, but finding time for the things that you love and, you know, to build your life outside of your career can be difficult. It doesn't have to be. So my husband and I got married right after college. Um, we were probably earlier in our group of friends getting married. And, um, you know, there were plenty of folks in our medical school that had children during medical school. We decided that it was maybe a little overwhelming for us. And we wanted to be able to focus on studying, especially because both of us, I didn't mention this either. Um, both of us went to medical school together and are both in our residency program here. And so we were both feeling pulled in a lot of different directions. But after our first year of residency training, um, we had our son who's now 10 months old. And, you know, it's possible even when, you know, we're not going to get our, you know, quote unquote dream job for another five years down the road now. So it's always that delayed gratification, but you can find areas of joy and things that you love doing in the midst of it. And it's not always easy and it's not always first nature. You have to kind of seek out uh, making sure that you are, you know, doing things you love and finding ways to be true to yourself through the process. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Uh, so you mentioned kind of five years. We like to ask all of our guests, where do you see yourself in five years? Which Again, it might look a little different than the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. So right now, um, I'm finishing up my last year of internal medicine residency, and um, I have chosen to subspecialize. So I didn't, don't have to. I could stop at this point in time and be, um, you know, a real doctor for lack of better ways to put it, but I could be finished with training and just be done and be a doctor and go get a job um, in internal medicine. And that can look either like um, being a clinic doctor, like a primary care provider, or being primarily in the hospital. And I could choose one of those routes, but I decided that that wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, I want more training to be a little bit more of an expert in the field of lung diseases. Um, and part that comes with that is critical care and, you know, managing really sick patients who are in the, the ICU, the intensive care unit in the hospital. And um, so that training will be four more years. Um, beyond now. And then I think that at this point, and there's always a, a lot of changes that happen in medical career planning. I think that uh, I want to have a large component of my career to be research. And so, you know, I like the idea of getting to impact patients' lives. You know, a patient comes into my hospital and I impact that one person's life. And that does bring a lot of satisfaction. But I also, you know, want to ideally make impacts in medical care that kind of go beyond my career and what I can provide just as a single practicing doctor. I want to make changes to how medicine is practiced um, in a way that can hopefully impact patients in a positive way for, you know, years and decades to come. And that's where Research is extremely exciting to me because there's so much that we know about medicine, but there's also so much that is not um, 
not known and not understood yet. So um, there are definitely career paths in medicine that include no research. And my husband says, I hate research and I never want to do that ever again. I've done enough of it um, along the way, uh, but I think it's super exciting. So that would be five years from now, I'll be 33 and maybe finished with training. <laughs> Maybe, not quite. I'll be close to being finished with training. <laughs> no, but don't let that discourage you. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> no. Well, is your, is your husband doing the same thing? Or is he kind of picking a different specialty or will he end after residency? Kind of. So, yeah, he is also doing internal medicine, but he is applying for cardiology. Okay. Um, so that is three years, and he doesn't think he wants to do anything beyond that. So in five years, he'll hopefully, you know, have a real person job and like be a real practicing physician in the world while I'm just always going to be learning and training. <laughs> Never stop learning. And I like you said a real person job. Like. <laughs> That's what we jokingly call all of our friends that have had jobs for the last, you know, You're real seven years. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I might have to use that. That's funny. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So kind of the last question that we like to wrap with before we get into some fun ones is a lot of our listeners are that high school age. What would you go back and tell your 17, 18 year old self? Yeah, I think, you know, especially for folks that are, 17, 18, finishing up high school and know already that they want to go into medicine, um, it can feel a little bit like um, you have to laser focus entirely on how to achieve that goal. And I was one of those people. I, I started college and I was immediately um, semi-obsessed with making sure that I completed all of my pre-med requirements and, you know, made really good grades and all of my pre-med requirements and kind of didn't take the time or the effort during college to explore what other things I was interested in. And you know, medicine can be an all-consuming career if you let it, um, but it doesn't have to be. You know, you're allowed to like other things, and you, you know, of course, you have to complete your pre-med requirements if you're applying for medical school, and that's why they exist, but, you know, they're actually a pretty small subset of the courses that you would need to complete a degree in college anyways, and, you know, every university has their curriculum set up a little bit differently, but the way Rice set up their curriculum intentionally is that you know by every every student pre-med or not has to complete some classes in like stem fields so science math um, engineering things like that um, you have to complete some courses in social sciences and then you have to complete some source some courses in like liberal arts english history um, and I saw the other requirements outside of the STEM category as being um, a burden and something that I needed to just get through so that I could graduate. Yeah. But then accidentally along the way figured out that I actually really enjoyed social sciences and um, in a way, it almost felt like a waste when I was in college because I was like, well, these aren't going to help me get to medical school and these aren't going to help me be a better doctor. And I could not have been more wrong about that thought. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage folks, you know, if you have interest in other things, explore them, you know, take your pre-med classes, take them seriously. But if you find that you love poetry and English literature, take classes and then explore those interests. And like for me, I was really interested in sociology um, and kind of the study of why people are the way they are and how culture impacts that and um, a little doctor 
every step of the way. Um, and I wish that I would have just enjoyed those times yeah. and not seen them as a stressful thing that was a barrier between me and getting to medical school. Yeah, that's really good. And I think that also um, listeners out there, if you're not, medical school is not that direction and not, not where you see yourself going. That also can apply in any. I mean, I remember feeling that way about some of the classes that weren't going to help me graduate with a business degree. I'm, I, I don't, I don't want to take astronomy. Like, I don't, I don't care about that. I don't want to do art. Like, uh, none of those were, but I ended up really enjoying and I made really good friends in those classes. And so, um, I, I, I think that's a great um, piece of advice for medical school, but also any of our listeners out there. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, just a couple of fun things just to kind of end us and get to know you a little bit better. And I, I, I am excited about this one. What are three things on your desk that others might not have? Yeah, I've got a lot of strange things on my desk, <laughs> a lot of strange things. Um, one is a stethoscope, which is probably not, you know, super out there. You know, there are plenty of careers that use stethoscopes. And the, the funny thing is, is that I have one at my desk at work, one at my desk at home, one in my bag, just in case, you know, you're ever somewhere where you need to listen to someone's heart. I don't even know. Um, I don't know that I've ever even used the one on my desk at home, but it's there just in case. In case. Um, I clearly need to get rid of a few stethoscopes. Um, I also have, this was a, a gift from my, my parents when I graduated medical school, and I wish that this recording was going to be on video, a porcelain head that is an, it's an anatomy learning tool um, that has like a porcelain brain inside, which is very creepy, I think, and I'm not looking forward to the day when, you know, I let my infant son into my office and he gets scared by it right. because it's kind of creepy looking. And that was um, my grandpa or, yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> We might have to hide it from him so it doesn't, well, maybe we'll just pull it out at Halloween, who knows. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the third thing that I have on my desk, so, you know, we do a lot of procedures in the hospital and um, there are a lot of procedure kits. And then, you know, once you've finished using the procedure kit, everything has, you can't use it for any other patients. And so um, over the years, we, my husband and I have piecemealed many procedure kits at home because the things are going to be thrown away anyway. So we have suture, so like uh, stitches yeah. and lidocaine, the numbing medicine, just in case we cut ourselves at home so we can just stitch each other up. Not really sure if that's like legal or allowed. So don't, <laughs> don't tell anybody, yeah. but we stole it instead of putting it in the trash. Um, just in case we need it for later. <laughs> yeah, and that's, you, your, your medicine kit is way beyond any of, any of us. What do you, what'd you call us? Um, the normal people, the Still people, yeah. people, all of ours are just the alcohol wipes and the couple band-aids and the <laughs> Yep. So if you ever find yourself in Chapel Hill, North Carolina with a big cut on your hand, you just call us. We'll fix you right up. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And then what is that one meal or one food that if you had to eat it once a day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, um, I feel like most people would probably pick something really fun, like, I don't know, like Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets, or which are great, don't get me wrong. But I think that the one food that I truly have eaten, I think every day for at least the last few years in some way, shape, or form are sweet potatoes. And they're so good and they're so underrated, but you can do so many things with them. Yeah. You can make them sweet with a little bit of cinnamon. You can make them into French fries. You can just like bake a sweet potato. And my husband laughs at me all the time because every time we go to the grocery store, I buy a giant bag of sweet potatoes. Yeah. 
but they're so good and he complains all the time he's sick of eating them and I keep making them anyways yeah they're, they're just so good so yeah. I think I'll continue eating them every day <laughs> well then that could be without the butter and this brown sugar and all that they can be healthy and <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, eating a regular potato every day like that it's just yeah, and they make your plate colorful sort of yeah know. they say make your plate colorful I don't know that I actually do that but I'm a terrible doctor I shouldn't tell these kids that eat a well-rounded <laughs> meal guys <laughs> well thank you so much I this was fun and it was good to hear about your journey and I know that our listeners will really appreciate it and I can already think of a handful of students that have been through some of our programs that this would be very beneficial for them to hear and so I appreciate you taking time um, on this early morning I know we're on different time zones so I appreciate that and um if I, yeah I just I, I I've enjoyed this and I, there are things that I feel like I every podcast I feel like I walk away learning something new and it's also fun to kind of reconnect with people and learn about your journey and so I appreciate you taking the time listeners if you want to learn more about EFTA and the programs that we offer both online and in person you can visit our website www.efta-us.org to learn more. Emily, thank you so much. Um, I hope that you have a great week and a great rest of your residency program. Good luck in your, because you're in your interviews right now for fellowship, correct? Sure am. Okay, well, good luck with that. Stay safe um, and we hope that you have a great rest of your week. Thank you, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope that you enjoyed getting to hear from Dr. Emily Sanders. Stay tuned next week as we have a chance to sit down with Zach Richmond and Christina Herity, who are both with the Richmond Realty Group here in the Woodlands. Don't forget to subscribe to the What I Wish I Knew podcast and share it with your friends. Have a great week.